Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Kyle. That's James. We're the Insiders. You know, I really hate when my routine gets screwed up. <laughs> I just, I really, I really, really despise it a lot. Because, nah, it's fine. I'm not going to get it. It's, it's okay. It's We're all right, back. Kyle. We're here. The Sacramento Kings are back in action tonight. The San Francisco 49ers are back in action this weekend. Biggest NBA surprises, I think, now that we're, what, three weeks into the season, we can start talking about that. We will get into that today. Weird night last night with sports, though. The NBA took the night off for various uh, elections, state elections around the country. Shout out to the NBA for for doing that and taking election night off and allowing uh, the maximum number of people to get out and uh, and exercise their right to vote. Uh, shout out to the league for that. Also, shout out, James. This is how putrid of a sports night it was. I turned on the San Jose Sharks. I watched my first bit of hockey all season. And wouldn't you know it, they won. Now you're the reverse jinx. You have to watch every game. I'm Kyle. locked in now, dude. You have to watch Sorry, every game. I won't be watching any more Kings this year. I have to watch the Sharks. <laughs> no Warriors, no basketball. I'm locked in on the Sharkies, who beat the Flyers 2-1. to They are now 1-10-1 on the season. I like that we have this shared thing that neither one of us watch hockey. I've never watched uh, a hockey Here's, game from start to finish, ever. And I've never seen one live. Wh- wait. <laughs> no. You've never sat down and watched like an, enti- the, an entire playoff game? No. I, I have like sat and watched like the like a game seven, but like from halftime on. like uh, Well, not halftime. They don't have from like the second period on or the third period on. Uh, I've never sat and watched an entire Hockey. hockey. Wow. Okay, well you should change that. We should pick it we should find a game and go. Live hockey is is legitimately a, a like it changes the way you I don't want to say it changes the way you, you watch the sport because I've been to live hockey games. It's not like, oh, I need to be locked into every minute now. But when you go, it's so hard to not be super dialed in and engaged. There's so much going on and it's a super fun sport to watch live. You know, it's crazy because, like, I was sitting watching soccer with my son this weekend, and uh, we were watching Man U. They came up with, a, like, a haymaker, like, winning goal late to mm. beat Fulham, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm watching, I, I told my son, it's funny that while some people who watch soccer, they, they get no enjoyment out or they're confused or it's sort of boring. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I told my son, for a 0-0 game, there are like at least 50 moments in this game that have already like upset me and make me want to yell at the TV. Yeah. Like there's so many things that are happening where guys are doing stupid things or missing or, Mm -hmm. you know, just silly things. Yeah. And for a common fan who who doesn't watch soccer or hasn't, you know, coach soccer or whatever, you might just be sitting there like, huh, this seems boring. It's, there's no score. 
Um, right, but if you can't appreciate the near goals or the near misses where maybe somebody just has a bad pass and somebody had a breakaway or whatever it is, yeah, like, you got to appreciate the sport a little. Or a bad tackle or the fact sure. that, you know, Harry Maguire plays kickball and everyone else is sitting there trying to make 10-yard passes and he thinks he's, like, taking a baby bouncer and swinging for the fences, like, yeah. all the time. You're just like, hey, like, what are we doing? How come everyone is playing one sport and you're playing a totally different one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that just remind like when you're when you're playing with kids when they're uh, mm-hmm. when you're you know training soccer kids and you, you have the parents that like every time someone kicks a ball as far as they can a bunch of parents are like woo and you're like yeah ah that's horrible no it went to the other team why are we cheering <laughs> it's they're eight big deal he can they're kick the ball far. Like, come on, man. One time I used to be a, I used to be a ref in soccer, right? And we're not going to talk about soccer and hockey. We got. uh, Yeah. Soccer, hockey. That's all we're doing today. We got a bunch. (laughs) Yesterday was all about our fantasy football team. Yeah. We're so, we're so (laughs) locked in. Uh, King's trip to Houston might as well not have happened. We had big fantasy football victories to discuss. No, um, I was a ref in soccer for uh, just locally in, in Brentwood when I was growing up. I, I genuinely don't even remember what age I was. Okay. I can't remember. I think I drove myself to the game, so I had to be 16. Okay. But I can't confirm that that's the case. I might have been like 14 or 15, but I was refing a like under six soccer game one mm, time. Mm-hmm. And it's legitimately, you stand out there in the middle of the field and you just point which direction the ball should be going. Yes. It's, it is a, I'm out there doling out reds to six-year-olds. I'm like, get out of my, get off my field. No. I, so... I was just zoned out and just forgot to keep the time. Oh no. And these games are supposed to go it's like two 20 minute halves or whatever it is. These kids, <laughs> they're all red in the these face. These kids are playing like 48 minutes straight. <laughs> and then I look at my watch, no one said anything. Nobody's like, "Hey, we've been playing for way too long." And I blow the whistle I'm like, "Ah, halftime." We're like, "Hey, <laughs> there's orange slices over here yeah. that aren't cold anymore." <laughs> like, "Hey, we got halftime." I go to the coaches, I get the co- and I'm like, "I'm like, guys, I screwed up." And they're like, bro, we're hungover. Do whatever you need to do. Like, you got it, dad. I, I love yeah. like that age, watching the little kids run around and play. Oh, and their jerseys are all like knee length. Yes. And they're just, yeah. oh, it yeah. was. And half the kids are doing cartwheels and, and like picking flowers and. Couldn't care less. Yeah, I know. I, there was a game where uh, like a five-year-old did get a red card in a game. He wouldn't stop sliding and he kept slide tackling everyone. <laughs> And the ref told him like four times and then kicked him out of the game and he goes over and he's crying on his on his grandfather's lap and you're like, hey man, that's what you get. Like you're going to hurt all these other little kids. Like, oh well. Yeah. Yikes. Um, apparently we're getting some glitch on the stream. So sorry everybody. We will do our best to try and fix that. Um, hmm. I'll try and troubleshoot at the break. There's nothing I can do uh, on the fly here. So I'm going to just keep going. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, as we shift gears and get into the NBA, of course, the Kings back in action tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. We'll talk plenty about that. But last night, a report from ESPN's Dave McMenamin came out that the Los Angeles Lakers have compiled a series of videos to send to the league office on plays that they believe should have been flagrant fouls on LeBron James, or at least fouls on LeBron James. And they believe that he's being officiated unfairly. So they're going directly to the source. They're going to the league and they are demanding that more fouls be called when LeBron James is driving to the basket. This is ageism. (laughs) It's ageism, Kyle. 
That's what I've always said. They're picking on because he's too old. LeBron is 38 years old and he can't get a foul call. How could this happen? I, you know what? Like I, I don't know the number. I don't know who, who in the history of the NBA has taken more foul shots than anyone else. But I'm going to guarantee that LeBron James is in like the top three. And we're talking about the all-time leading scorer. This is a, a guy who has been to the free throw line so many times in his career uh, that at this point, I, I don't I don't really care. You know, he, he literally might have used up all of the goodwill and all of his extra fouls like throughout the course well, of his career. And um, he, he doesn't. So there's there's a couple issues I have with this with, with LeBron specifically. First of all, the the Lakers and John Hollinger pointed this out on Twitter. The Lakers are not the only team that's ever done this. Oh, no. Teams do this all the time. The, I would not be surprised if the Kings had done it for Demonis Sabonis, who just gets hammered every time he's under the basket. He gets hit in the head every single game. Every time he drinks. It's a drinking game. So so I'm sure the Kings have done it. So it's and and Mo DeKeel, who does really good film work on Twitter, he just goes through games and posts clips and does uh, really good breakdowns. He he even said he used to work for the Clippers in their video department. It was like one time I had to put together a reel of all the times we thought Blake Griffin got flagrantly fouled and sent it to the league. So this happens, right? It's this is not a Lakers thing. But with LeBron specifically, one, you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore because every time you hit the ground, it's like you just broke six bones. And you lay there and you embellish it. And oh, you might have gotten swiped across the forehead, so you lay there and you hold your face for ten minutes, and they gotta go to break while the medical team attends to you. And then oh look, you're fine. So I think that's part of it. But then the, the other thing is he's not the only player that does this. There are so many players in the league who use their size to get to the rim mm-hmm. where it is dribble the basketball and be big, try and get to the rack and score. And in those instances where there are people hitting you like, yes, it's going to be a foul, but if the refs called fouls on every single touch and bump and thing that should be a foul, it's like holding in the NFL, then you would not, there would never, there would never be a defended drive to the basket. There, yeah. there would be everybody would foul out of every single game. Yeah, they would have to like every single game. If there was a touch foul called every single time, uh, it, the game would be over. Like it would, it, well, the game first of all it would take like two weeks. <laughs> you yeah. know, it would be like I'd a nine inning baseball game. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like a nine inning baseball game. Everyone would complain, um, and uh, it would not be enjoyable to watch. I, I would as from the press box would be booing the whole time. So, so <laughs> no cheering in the press box, but there is booing. Oh, yeah. So, Kyle, uh, the all-time le- record for most free-throw attempts in a career is Carl Malone at 13,188. Moses Malone is number two at 11,864. Wilt Chamberlain, number three, at 11,862. Shaquille O'Neal is four at 11,252. LeBron James is number five all-time in free-throw attempts at 11,040. So, like, I, I don't have any sympathy for someone who's already been to the free throw, the <laughs> free throw line 11,040 times. And that's just regular season. We're not even talking postseason. I guarantee if we add his postseason stats, it's way more than anyone yeah. in the history of the game ever. Yeah. It's it, 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 teams do this to make a point, right? Yes. I don't think the Lakers aren't necessarily trying to get LeBron to the foul line 30 times a game. <laughs> But they're trying to make some kind of point to like, hey, he is being officiated unfairly. And from what I see, and I haven't watched, you know, 
every single minute of Lakers basketball this year. But from what I see this year and from what I've seen in years past, I don't think it's it's any more egregious egregious with egregious. That's funny. Egregious, uh, egregious with LeBron than it is with <laughs> any other player who, when they decide to take over a game, just go barrel into the paint and try and score. Like, yeah, some you're gonna get hit when you do that, man. Like that's just kind of how the sport works. I also think that there is something to LeBron not being the same exact player he was in the yeah, past. That's a good point. And it's it's slightly easier to officiate him mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the same speed and quickness. He still has the same strength, um, but like even the verticality, he can get up, but uh, not like he, he used to be able to in traffic and stuff. Yeah, he's taken another 2,456 free throws in the playoffs. Oh, my God. 2,500 free throws in the playoffs. Just in the playoffs. Just in the playoffs. What's he shooting, like 72%? Um, that's a good question. Um, let me see. I don't see if I see a uh, free throw percentage, 74.1%. Oh, oh good, good call. Yeah, man. All right. About a 70, 75% free throw shooter. That makes sense. Yeah. That used to be a thing, by the way. And it might still be a thing for some people. I just, I've bailed out of any LeBron greatest arguments. Okay. I'm just out. I don't care. You I don't have care. my thoughts. You have yours. Uh, okay. N- nobody's going to change each other's mind here. I've heard every argument. Against my stance, I've heard every argument for my stance. I'm where I am. Cool. So that used to be a thing, though, in college with the LeBron-Kobe debate because I was in college in, in 2008, 2009, 2010, like the, the height of the LeBron-Kobe debate. Of course. And every single time, the the pro-Kobe side would be like, well, free throws. Look at the free throw percentage. Like, All right, man. If you're erasing everything else and just whittling the game down to free throws, then I concede you were right. All right. <laughs> You're right. right he yeah. he does now have more free throw attempts than Kobe. Kobe is number six, just so you know. Oh, okay, good. He's also he's also played longer than like anyone ever. He's played so many games in so many minutes. The fact that he's still at the level that he is 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 pretty remarkable. It like is you amazing. Said, not the player he was, but that he can still go dominate and take over a game here and there when he wants to is is pretty ridiculous. Uh, good player, LeBron James. Yeah, I think, we can, I think we've determined that. 25 points, 8.4 rebounds, 5.9 assists on the season. <laughs> he's still pretty good. Turns 39 next month. Yeah, he's playing 36 minutes. No one Sick. on the Kings is playing 36 <laughs> minutes a night, but LeBron James at, at 39 is. Ridiculous. All right, let's shift gears and talk some NFL. We didn't do our power rankings yesterday, so we're going to do them today with the 49ers uh, turning the page and looking ahead to Week 10 against the Jaguars. We will also begin that Week 10 49ers discussion. That's coming up next on The Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Now, back to The Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Matson, Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Yeah, it is. Is this new? Is this new music, Kyle? It's new-ish. I, I got it last week, but I think I played it once last week. This is Pray For Me by Kendrick Lamar featuring The Weeknd. Oh. Or The Weeknd featuring Kendrick Lamar. I don't know. One of those two. Two artists that I like on the same song. I'm going I'm to listen to it. And the beat is sick. So Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, I'm into I'm into that song right now. Yeah. Uh, we were talking coffee at the break. And shout out to Cafe Bustello. That's all. Apparently, you can get it at, at Marshall's, according to Manny. But I ordered a six-pack of it on Amazon. Six nine-ounce cans for like $34. Okay. That's my jam. That's your jam now. I'm in there. It's delicious. Okay. Yeah. I, I like good really coffee. Really good coffee. I'll bring like, you some. We've bought, you know, like when you go to Costa Rica, you got to load up on Costa Rican coffee. Sure. I bet it's great. Um, yeah. There's... I really want to go to like a coffee farm, whether it's in 
uh, Costa Rica or a place like that or Hawaii or something. I really want to hit okay. like a coffee farm. Oh, that'd be cool. I want to see how the whole thing goes down. All right. I need to do that as well. Yeah. All right. Big I'll coffee. On, I'll put it on my bucket list. Big coffee, guys. That's James. I'm Kyle. Let's talk NFL. We haven't got, we haven't really gotten a chance to do that in, in in major depth. The 49ers have been off, but more importantly, the the Raiders had all of their internal stuff going on. So we've been talking about that. And then yesterday we had Kings stuff to, to hash out. So we're finally getting back and, and taking a look at the NFL as the second half of the season begins. That's been my biggest annoyance with the taking away the the 16 game schedule is you can't just neatly break a team's season into quarters now. Oh, yeah. It's an 18-week schedule, though. So my new benchmark is week nine. Just that's half the year. Yeah, that makes Whether sense. Whether you've played eight or nine games, you're halfway through the season, and that's where we're at. Okay. I like it way less than the four games thing, but whatever. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're never going to go back. We're never going to go back to 16. If anything, there's going to be 18 at some point, and then we'll have to figure out a new... A halfway point because there'll probably be nineteen weeks, but um, let's let's talk top teams because I think based on what I saw this weekend, you have to put the Ravens as the best team in the NFL, and I don't I don't really know if it's close, just based on how they've looked over the last three or four weeks, where they are running the ball efficiently, they are throwing it as efficiently, and their defense is just sick. Their defense is really, really good. Like, usually you watch an offense play, and and maybe it's a really fast-paced offense, like the ones the Ravens have, right? Ton of speed, ton of athleticism. And then their defense plays, and they have a good defense, but it's a bunch of just maulers, right? It's just guys that get downhill, and they're going to beat you up. The Ravens' defense looks as fast as its offense. They just fly around. And there's no, like, superstar. Like, Patrick Queen's a, a good player, and, and Roquan Smith's a good player. But there's no, like, superstar... Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa type of of player on the defensive line or anything like that. It's just a really good collection of players. Yeah. And on teams like that, when they dominate with just a very good collection of players, I'm just all in on that team. Yeah, I think that they have elevated themselves so far above most of the teams. So when you go into a, a tough game against a team like Seattle, who had been playing really well and all of a sudden had a bunch to play for because the 49ers have faltered and clearly they have an opportunity to win the the NFC West and you go in there and you punk them like that. That was crazy. Yeah. So I have done that twice now. Yeah. I am all in on Baltimore. Yeah. Like I am, they, they've gone in and they've really done damage to good teams where mm-hmm. you're like, Holy cow. Yeah. That, you know, I, I didn't expect, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson to become a thrower. Yeah. I, yeah, I did he's not. Been, ex- he's been lighting he, it up. He's become an, an incredible quarterback. He's not just like a 99 mile an hour fastball guy. Yeah, and he's he's using his his athleticism still. Like the the run game stuff is all still there. Oh yeah. But then they also have Lamar Jackson leading the NFL in completion rate. Like that's that, yeah. that's unfair. It's re- it's it's crazy how many ways they can stop you and how many ways they can get yards and points on you. I really think it's interesting how the season's gone too, where we have teams that are so strong and then fall out, mm-hmm. and then you know teams that come up and like just like a huge win. Remember. Early in the season, was it Buffalo that thumped the Dolphins? Uh, am I remembering yes. that incorrectly? Yeah, yeah. 48 and, to 20, I think, was the Yeah, final. and you're like, oh, man, so we move Buffalo up. And then next thing you know, we have to move Buffalo back down mm-hmm. and, and then out, out of the top five. And so the 49ers, number one in our power rankings for weeks, mm-hmm. they're not in the top five. And I don't know if they can get back to the top five, but yeah. Baltimore wasn't in our top five. They might not even been in our top 10 early in the season. 
Here they are. They're just methodically going about their business. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got the Ravens at the top. Now, somebody asked me, uh, my coworker, uh, my colleague at, at the NFL Wires for, for USA Today Sports Media Group, Doug Farrar, he does just such a great job doing film breakdowns and deep dives at, uh, at, at the site touchdownwire.com. He asked if if there's anybody else even in the Ravens class. Like, is anyone Oof. even close? So here's my here's my argument here. The Ravens are, to me, at the top of the heap right now, and, and I, I don't think there's an argument for that. But I think that there are definitely teams in their class, and those teams are Philly and Kansas City for me right now. Yes. Because we have a track record with Philly. Look at how dominant they were last year. And they're 8-1. It hasn't looked as overwhelmingly. <laughs> it's just, just not dominant at all this year. But they're still they're eight and one. Like they're yeah. figuring out different ways to win games. Jalen Hurts isn't even really running yet. I don't know if he's banged up or if that's just something that they want to keep him healthy. Healthy, so they're reeling that in. I don't. I don't know exactly. <laughs> but they're still excellent. They still dominate in the trenches. And if you can win in the trenches on both sides, you have a chance to win literally every game you play. And they've done that all but. One time this year. So I, I still really like Philly. And then Kansas City, I've said this a million times on the show, their defense is as good as it is. And I'm going to bet on Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to figure out a passing game. Yeah. I mean, I think with Philly, my problem is they're 8-1, and one, but none of it feels like it's it's sustainable. Like you, you said, they keep finding ways to win. You know how they found a way to win this last week? Uh, Dak Prescott. They played against Dak Prescott. <laughs> well, That's how they found their way to win. Like the dude steps out of bounds at the one foot line. Yeah. Instead of getting the two point conversion, he finds a wrong receiver, you know, has a delay of game, like all mm-hmm. these things. Like that was a really good game, but there's so many games already this season that Philly should have lost and somehow I, found I a mean, way to win. Yeah. Cause they're good. No, they are good. <laughs> I, I'm not taking that away, but I, none of it has really been convincing. Like, I, and I'm waiting for that, that convincing, like over the top, like, oh, that was a great win. I, I, I think I'm, I, I, I totally get where you're at and, and, and maybe you're right. Like maybe they roll into the playoffs and they just go up against the Lions or Seattle or maybe the Cowboys in the playoffs and, and, and lose earlier than we expect. Like that, that's on the table. Whereas last year they felt a little more inevitable, but that's the thing is, is I'm looking at what they did last season with largely the same group of players. And I'm looking ahead to the rest of this year, and they have a tough schedule coming up. But I think when you when you take their body of work from last season and you combine that with what they've looked like this season, it's like I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think the one convincing win they've had on the season that you're just like, oh, that was a that was an outstanding win, was the Dolphins in Week Seven. Yeah, just that. Kinda... That's the one. Outside of that, New England, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Washington. Los Angeles Rams, New York Jets, okay, like all close it, games, yeah. Well, but you should have been six and zero. They, they were five and one. I mean, th- those if you're an elite team, none of those teams scare you. And then you got the Dolphins, the Commanders again, and then the Cowboys. Like, yeah, the Jets game was weird for sure. Yeah, but I, I, I still, I, I'm, I saw enough from them last year from from Philly to give them the benefit of the doubt for this season. Yeah, and that's honestly the same thing I'm doing with the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs' offense does not look like the Chiefs' offense, but dude, you have multi-time MVP Patrick Mahomes back there who threw for five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns as a rookie. They've already won two Super Bowls. The only reason they lost another one is because they were without both of their offensive tackles. Like they, they, they could have three titles right now under their belts. Like I, they get the benefit of the doubt forever for me. 
Okay. Like if 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 people are going to still give the Golden State Warriors the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to give the Kansas City Chiefs the benefit of the doubt. No, I'm with you. Uh, the only thing I would say about the Chiefs, again, I, they're a team that hasn't played a lot of a lot of quality teams. They, no doubt, they lost in Week One without Kelsey to the Lions. Um, you know, they did get the win against the Dolphins. That's big. But in the middle, there's a bunch of you know marginal games that you know we- nothing special. Like Jacksonville in Week Two. But Jacksonville week two was not Jacksonville yet. Do you see what's coming up next week? We've got uh, Eagles at Chiefs. Oh, yeah, this can be great. And then Eagles at home against Buffalo. Then Ooh. Eagles at home against the 49ers. Ooh. Then Eagles at Cowboys. And then Eagles at Seahawks. Oh, that'll be a test. So we're going to learn a lot about this Philly team over the next five weeks. They go four and one. I, I'm. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, or and they I got think a there's a really definite chance good, they could go four and one of this. Yeah, season. they got a really good shot. Yeah. They got a really good shot. Yeah. All right. Uh, rounding things out here, so it's Ravens, Eagles, Chiefs for me. Those are the top three. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna go. I gotta go. Hmm. I gotta go. Jags four. Okay. And then I'm gonna go Lions five. Although, hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna flip flop that. I'm going Lions four. Because I like uh, I like their their offensive and defensive lines more than I like Jacksonville's. Give me the Jags five. I feel good about that. You feel good about that. And okay. then you want to talk about a team that needs to beat a good team. That's where I've got the Dolphins. Yes. Can the Dolphins beat like step up in one of these games? One time, help me, help me, Dolphins. I picked them to win the AFC. I need help. I don't know that they can. Kyle, I think a lot of what they're doing right now seems flashy, but non-sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like it's one; they're one of those teams that that has that feeling now. Like I, I did not feel this way early in the season, where they they're really fun and all that stuff, but they're they're not going to be there at the end. Yeah, we're gonna learn. They got Baltimore and Buffalo the last two weeks of the season maybe fighting for their for their Oof. playoff lives at that point. So Oof. we'll learn a ton about the Dolphins late in the year. All right, we got to hit a break. When we come back, stuff is happening in Oakland. The A's might be staying? We'll I don't to, believe you. We'll talk to Casey Pratt of ABC7 in, in, in the Bay Area. He has covered this from start to finish for a decade now. Awesome. There's not a better person to talk to about the A's stadium situation. We will talk to Casey Pratt about what happened in Oakland last night and what the chances are that the A's, like the Kings, wind up staying uh, where they belong. He's James. I'm Kyle. We're the Insider. Sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Yeah, I had to hit that too-short rejoin. Because Oakland's in the house, baby. Casey Pratt, ABC7, a sports anchor uh, in the Bay Area and all over. I don't know, Casey, I don't know if there is a person who is more equipped to inform us on what's going on with the A's stadium situation. I think that actually includes people working with the A's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ownership. So, so, yeah. So shout out to you. Thank you so much for, for A, being on our program today and and B, uh, all the all the work you've put in to stay on top of what's going on because for somebody like me who I'm just trying to read as many articles as I can and trying to consume as much of the information as I can, there is so many layers to this that go into like laws and drafts and this proposal and this meeting. You're at all of it. You're on top of all of it. So first off, thank you for, for doing all that and keeping all of us informed. Yeah, it's a little bit of a passion project sometimes and it's a lot of time spent just reading the most boring mundane legal documents that you could ever read uh, and a lot of talking to people. But like, what's interesting, Kyle, I was telling people this yesterday, but what you actually hear or what actually post is like, it's like the tip of the iceberg compared to like how much other information is out there. I just try to disseminate it in a way that people can understand because it's wildly confusing. So last night there was a big hullabaloo in Oakland and there was a big vote and there were fans at City Hall chanting, stay in Oakland, there was a big vote. Can you lay out what happened last night in uh, in Oakland? Yeah, it was a full-blown hullabaloo. Uh, that's a great way to describe Thank it. You. Um, yeah. the, so really what it was, was it was just a motion, like a, a recommendation to affirm their support. And so what does that mean? Really nothing. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's just like saying, hey, we still believe the A's belong here. So in terms of the legislation, it's really meaningless. But... What I think you saw in the videos and the passion and everything going on there, what it really was designed to do was show that right now, the mayor's office, the vice mayor, the city council, the port of Oakland, labor leaders, the fans, everybody are on the same page. And it's really interesting that it passed unanimously, too, because when I first heard from a source this was going to happen, I actually posted on X that I thought... Uh, this should pass unanimously, and they texted me back that I just gave them a heart attack because nothing ever passes unanimously, especially when it has to do with the A's stadium issues. So <laughs> it passed unanimously. That was a huge win for them. Um, and really more importantly than anything, it just gave the fans a platform to show up and show out one last time. It gave the city an opportunity to put into record all the work they've done and just make some headlines right before the MLB owners potentially vote. Okay, so Casey, that's where we're at. The The vote is coming. And I mean, as someone who covered two full-blown relocation attempts here in Sacramento, 
I know like the ebbs and flows of this thing is crazy and you know like you're you're waiting for the next shoe to drop at all times and then you're going to city council meetings which are horribly boring you're hearing people talk that have no business talking that have no idea what they're talking about whether that's the politicians or ownership of the A's or or management of the A's or fans who are stepping up um just is there any hope that this thing will go a different way when we get to the major league baseball owners meetings uh, in the coming weeks or is this a lot of like you know noise yeah so my thought is if the owners actually hold a vote at the owners meetings they're not going to hold that vote unless they know pretty damn well that it's going to go through, right? I mean, why else would they hold the vote? If they push it back, that would be a sign that there is some uncertainty. Um, what I will say, though, is that if they do approve relocation, what it's going to do is shine a massive spotlight on this entire situation. And the fact that the A's really have no design architect, they've not put out a single stadium rendering that's actually real. They said to wad up and throw away the other ones they made because they were fake. Uh, the A's themselves said that. Uh, they don't know how John Fisher is going to pay for it. They don't know how much it's going to cost. They don't even know where they're going to play from 2025 through 2028. So approving relocation is going to put a massive spotlight on a lot of holes in the A's plans. And if the A's have proven anything over the last, geez, like decade plus, uh, it's that they're not the most competent bunch sometimes. And I think what? that this thing could still fall apart. Um, but we'll see what happens with that owner's vote. If, if I was an MLB owner, what I would say is, like, picture yourself living in a neighborhood and you all take a lot of time and effort to upkeep your home. And then there's one house on the block that is just a complete mess, bringing down real estate value. And you can't get the guy to do anything to take care of it. Uh, that would be John Fisher. And I don't see why they're going to help him. So my thinking would be, hey, look, you worked really hard. You got Las Vegas figured out. We'll approve you to move there. But we're not waiving the relocation fee. That's what I would do if I was an owner. Talking with Casey Pratt of ABC7 all over the A's relocation saga. Um, what's past a saga? I feel like this has been going on for two decades now. We need something more than an epic. Is that what's next? It is. It feels epic? like Shogun. The, but the epic feels like too complimentary. We'll stick with saga. All right. All over the A's stadium saga, Casey Pratt. Um, I, I know there's something going on in Nevada with uh, Nevadans trying to get the the stadium funding on the ballot where they can vote for it. And again, my understanding is that it would very likely get voted down if it if that happened. A, is that still on the table? And B, if it does get voted down, what's the next step? Well, yeah, it is still on the table. Um, okay. But let's just put it this way, Kyle. You pay a lot of attention to A's things. Have you ever seen anybody come out and say they really, really want the A's in Las Vegas? Not one person. I think most of the people in Las Vegas, when I go on ESPN radio in Las Vegas, they all agree with me the whole time. They want a reloc they don't want a relocated A's, they want an expansion team. Right. Uh, the people out there want an expansion team. They don't want the A's. It's wildly unpopular. Uh, not to mention all these things going around about, you know, people being unhappy with John Fisher. You never see anybody step up and defend him either. So, mm -hmm. yes, if schools over stadiums gets this on the ballot, it will be bad, bad news for the A's Las Vegas hopes because, frankly, it's just not the most popular thing. People don't want to give their money to an out-of-state billionaire to build a stadium. They'd rather have a local billionaire start a new team like the Golden Knights and do it from scratch. Right. Now, that's the other thing. Like, when you're... Like, how is baseball going to work in Las Vegas? Like, I know that, that 
it is a baseball town. Like I, I have family that live in Vegas and like the, the Las Vegas starts have always been a big deal. Right. Uh, as a triple a team, like whether whoever it's their affiliate, they've always had some sort of pull, but like the way that football, that the NFL works is that people fly in for the weekend to go catch a game and they get there on Friday. They party hard mm-hmm. for two days. They show up on Sunday to watch a football game and then they go home. Um, that's not Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is 162 games. No one's flying in for a four-game set to watch any team. I mean, maybe you would get some Dodger fans that came over, but that's just not. And you're not going to get the same following that the Raiders do, where uh, some people from Oakland do go to watch a game. I, when they, It's scorched earth here. When they leave Oakland, if they do leave Oakland, it's over. So how is this thing going to fundamentally work? Because we're hearing that, you know, they're pitching that they're going to sell out a 30,000 seat building and the building's not even 30,000 seats to start. Well, it might be. We don't know what it looks like. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. They may have found a way like in the first version (laughs) that they actually drew up to put in 30,000 seats. But like, how is this fundamentally going to work in Vegas? Well, I think the point you're making is if it's a 30,000 seat ballpark, they need to sell at least 27,000 some odd tickets for every game to pencil out mathematically. But if they sell 10,000 tickets for a few games, they can't offset that by selling 50,000 for like the Yankees series. So they're going to be in trouble with attendance. I think the way it pencils out financially, though, is gambling and all the, the stuff gaming can bring to the table for Major League Baseball. That is a big thing that nobody's really talking about. I think that is probably how this may or may not financially work. But to your point, uh, yeah, the Raiders are great for them because people will fly in. They will stay at the casinos. They'll spend their money and they'll just go to a game for like four hours on Sunday. With the A's, you're talking four plus hours almost every day of the week where people are not going to be sitting at the tables losing their money to the other casinos in the region. And I think that can't be too popular with other casino owners. So a lot of it doesn't add up, including the fact that the A's ownership currently has just completely cast aside and thrown their own fan base under the bus. None of these people are going to be flying in to see A's games like Raiders fans do. Raider Nation travels. uh, They always have. They always will. And they're located all over the place. It's going to be different for baseball. So, yeah, I don't think it adds up there, but I do agree, and and I have to say this, I really, really do agree. I think Major League Baseball in Vegas would be awesome. I just don't think this is the way they should do it. Yeah, people won't drive in from Dublin. I think people are going to fly into Vegas to to go. That's that's wild. I I also think it's kind of nuts that baseball and its sordid history with gambling would be like, hey, this is good because gambling can help us yeah that just that yeah, sounds, I mean, it's, that it's sounds kind of a crappy look <laughs> it's not the best but you know it, it just is the facts of the matter it's legal there uh it's widely embraced now it really wasn't back then i mean you're seeing like the fan duel and you know all the other mm-hmm. stuff all over the place now so it's it's a lot more common and accepted than it was in the past talking with casey pratt of abc7 he's all over the a stadium uh, relocation um is there any chance as this kind of goes on? I know John Fisher has said recently in the media that he doesn't plan on selling and he doesn't want to sell a team. He wants to put together a winning baseball team, you know, just lies like that. Um, is there any chance that as this goes on, we see him lean towards selling, do you think? Yeah, I think that either way he's going to sell. I really do. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's either going to get this deal in Vegas jack up the franchise value by getting something in place and then flip the team at that point 
or sell a bulk of the ownership stake to a local owner to get this thing across the finish line financially and probably just from a local fan support standpoint in Las Vegas. Or he's not going to get the deal he wants in Vegas, and he'll have no choice at that point to sell the team. Now, that's where I think it's interesting, and it draws a lot of parallels, James, like what you were saying with the Kings. Everyone thought the Kings were gone. They were going to Seattle. Chris Hansen was buying the team, and then Vivek stepped in and bought it and saved it. If the team goes on the market, I think that's what everybody's waiting for, one way or the other. Because uh, you know Joe Lacob's over there keeping an eye on this. You know he wants to buy the A's. He's being very muted in his comments, but he can't really say much because he doesn't want to piss off Major League Baseball. Uh, he is just one of several people I could think of that would step up and buy this team right now if they could. Hmm. But it is not for sale. So it's a matter of... Does John Fisher get this deal across the finish line in Vegas and then flip a large majority of the team, or does he fail and have no choice but to sell? Yeah, Casey, that's something, you know, you bring up Hanson and the Seattle saga, but this really does feel more like Anaheim and the Henry Samueli situation and the Honda Center, where the Kings were going to go down to Anaheim. They were going to relocate the team, the Maloofs were, and they were, there was going to be a partnership with Henry Samueli. And Major League, uh, uh, the NBA, number one, they weren't ready to vet him. And so I know John Fisher might want to do this, but Major League Baseball is going to want to vet whichever owner this is. And they're not going to have him go into a situation where it's like, okay, well, we'll maybe we'll find two or three different guys there in, in Vegas that they could take over for him. And I think this comes back to, like, you are a steward of a franchise. You are not, you know, no one lives forever. And this should be one of those things where I don't know how Major League Baseball can allow something like this to happen, where a bad apple, a horrific owner, steps in, dissolves a fan base, won't even fix a plumbing in his arena, in his his stadium, and just intentionally pulls, like, the Major League the script from Major League, the movie, and just puts it out there for his his franchise. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's really, really weird how this thing is playing out where this is an embarrassment. Like, what's happening where you're seeing the sell shirts all over Major League Baseball at every event? It's an embarrassment it's to the look. league what John Fisher's done. So anyway, I, I, I want to know, like, is is it feasible that Major League Baseball could just say, like, look, we need to be done with this guy. We need him out now. And we also love Vegas and we like the idea of $500 million or, or a billion dollar relocation. I mean, uh, like franchise fee or 3 billion, you know, franchise fee to start over and have someone else take over the ace. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the most obvious outcome, but they don't want to be kicking out an owner. You know, they don't want to do that to somebody in their own fraternity. Uh, at least very publicly. So I think the optimal outcome for that scenario would be to, again, approve relocation but not waive the relocation fee. At that point, I don't think John Fisher has the finances to actually make this work and he would sell. Then Hmm. you take somebody like Joe Lacob, a local buyer that would buy the A's, keep them here, get that deal locked in, they're already 90% of the way there in Oakland. I mean, they already have everything figured out for the stadium. They're just a little bit short financially uh, on offsite infrastructure and things like that. So at that point, then you expand to Vegas. 
It's, it's simple. Then you don't have to waive a relocation fee and keep an owner on revenue sharing. And you get an expansion fee and another market figured out. It, it's just money in the owner's pockets. The alternative, Man. though, is give John Fisher Vegas waive a relocation fee, which is hundreds of million dollars of all money the owners would be splitting. And you also lose Vegas as an expansion market. So now the owners are also not splitting that expansion fee. That's what's on the table with this ownership vote. Like, why would you take a guy that's been on revenue sharing for years, move him to a market where he's going to stay on revenue sharing, waive the relocation fee, and also lose the expansion fee as a result? It's like, it's, it's mind boggling that they'd even be considering it, to be honest. It's wild. I don't get it at all. All right. So, uh, quick, two, two quick things, uh, for me. One, what are they in Oakland next season for sure? Yes, they are okay. in Oakland next season for sure. Their lease runs through the end of 2024. After that, they have no idea where they're going to play. Tight. <laughs> cool. I, I love professional organizations. And then is there, if, is there any chance that this works out where John Fisher and the city of Oakland come together to get a deal done where he is the owner of the team in Oakland? I mean, they want him back at the table. The city of Oakland would love John Fisher to come back to the table, despite all of this, because they know they have this thing very close to finish. They just need a willing partner to work with, and they don't have one in John Fisher. He does not want anything to do with it. Now, the one thing I would like to point out is, in Vegas, the proposal is a tiny nine-acre ballpark with no residential, no commercial, no other real estate involved. Howard Terminal was a ballpark with residential, commercial, all these other things involved. If you just scaled down Howard Terminal, said, I'm going to build a ballpark there, this thing could have been done years ago. Man. Instead, they pushed for a $6 billion plus dollar project, which would have been the largest in the history of the state or one of the largest, and it bogged everything down. Do what the Giants did. Build a ballpark, hold on to that land. When the time is right, add the residential, add all the other things. If they just focused on a ballpark, if Fisher came back to the table, said, I want to do like what I'm doing in Vegas, except not have to build a dome or a retractable roof because I don't need one in Oakland, then build the ballpark. That's it. He can do it. He can do it fast. Casey Pratt, ABC7. Nobody covering the A's relocation and stadium drama better than him. Uh, Casey, you are so greatly appreciated uh, by me, by James, uh, by by every A's fan out there and every baseball fan who wants to to stay on top of all this. Last thing that we got to ask you before you go, maybe the most important question that, that you'll be asked on, on any on any radio or TV hit that, that you do about this. What's your favorite cereal? Wow, my favorite cereal. Uh you will be I'm judged gonna go fruity. harshly. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fruity pebbles. I like okay. the fruity pebbles. Like when my kids. I have two young kids, so we always have all the good kids cereals here, like Lucky Charms and Fruity Pebbles and all the Count Chocula's and all that stuff. But every now and then, I'll come home from work like late on a Wednesday night, and I'll just pop off a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, and then I'll treat myself. You know, love the Fruity Pebs. Out of babe, love it. Hey, good great answer. seeing you, man. Great <laughs> yeah. seeing you. Thanks, Casey. It was great seeing both you guys. I, I hope you all know and your listeners know how much I love and appreciate you. You guys are the best, and go Kings. Thanks, Casey. It's Casey Pratt, ABC Seven. The best. Love he is the death. best, man. I like. He's such a good dude. Yeah. Mm. Is he? Can he still hear that? Yeah. No, he's okay. He can still he's hear fine. us. He he's <laughs> he can still hear. He's a that he's a good dude. Yeah. I like when I walked in the door at uh, at NBC Sports, mm-hmm. we were like kindred spirits, like right away. Like yeah. 
Um, and I would sit uh, like in their bullpen area and hang out with him and some of the other guys there. Just just really good people. There. It's good people. Yeah. yeah, really good people. All right, so I'm I'm more optimistic now that the A's are going to stay than I was. I'm still not optimistic. Like I'm still not like, oh hey, I'm on on a fifty-one forty-nine. I'm I'm leaning fifty-one. Like I still think there's a very small chance that they stay, but I'm more optimistic about that chance than I was two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah. So this is what um, like we had in in Sacramento, the end of the 2010 2011 season, my first season covering the team. We had this moment, you know, the the Grant and Jerry moment at the end of the season where, you know, they break up on camera. It's like so iconic. Mm-hmm. We started Small Market Big Heart with it. It's right. an opening scene of Small Market Big Heart. Um, well, I think the Lemonade Boys and then Grant and Jerry. Sure. Uh, so it's it's this amazing moment, right? When everyone walked off the court that night, most people in the building, like 98% thought it was over, that the mm-hmm. Kings were moving. And I never felt that way. I kept saying, follow the money. The money doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. There's not enough money coming from Henry Samueli to buy them out of the 70 million bucks they owe the city of Sacramento or all, all of these other mechanisms. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get enough money to move there and relocation fee and everything else. They right. don't have the money. And sure enough, that's what it was. Like there was no money and the NBA did not want to vet Henry Samueli, have him move into a major television market where he, they already had two teams, pull away some of that market share from those other teams ruin everything they had going in LA with the the Lakers and the mm-hmm. Clippers. And then on top of that, go into a building that was worse than Arco. Yeah. That, that's not what they had planned for, for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. And so they said no. And so that's where I keep saying with the Oakland deal, follow the money because it does not make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like what, how Casey laid it out. It definitely doesn't. So December one is a, a big day here and Casey laid this out on Twitter and then we'll we'll move on to to a couple of Kings notes and 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 Blazers notes from last night with the Kings and Blazers uh, beginning to uh tonight um Casey tweeted this out with uh, you know all the screenshots of the various uh what's the sources um according to the latest filing from the owner of the Tropicana site their A's agreement is contingent on MLB approving relocation before December 1, 2023. So MLB has three and a half weeks to approve relocation or the A's Tropicana deal falls through. Mm. So that's what's fascinating about this. Do they decide, hey, waive the fees, forget the money, the money doesn't matter, we got to get this done now? Or do they go, hey, this is on you, you got to figure out a new deal because the money doesn't make sense. And I, that's really what it's all going to come down to. It's crazy, crazy Kyle. Wild. All right. Follow the money. Follow the money. Shout out to Casey Pratt. All right. We're the insiders. He's James. I'm Kyle. We're sponsored by Jiffy Lube. Shout out to Jiffy Lube. Uh, Kings Blazers tonight. This is the direction our, our conversation will go moving forward. But De'Aaron Fox and Trey Lyles have both been ruled out for Sacramento. Uh, Scoot Henderson. Super bummer that Scoot Henderson has been ruled out. Uh, Anthony Simons and Robert Williams, a.k.a. Time Lord, are all ruled out for Portland. So you're getting an even weaker version of an already weak Portland team. 
It's gotta get, go win tonight. It's a get right game. You gotta go win. You it's a get right go, game. You gotta go. It's win. a get right game. You gotta go win tonight. If they if they lose, I'm taking the day off if they lose tonight. Show me that what we just saw in Houston was an anomaly. Right. Show me that That's it was it. that you're ready to play and that this is where you're going. Like the, you're a team that can walk in and beat anybody. You're a little bit bummed that you're not going to get to see Scoot Henderson, right? Yeah. Like I said, there's there's part of you that's a little upset. Um. Yeah. Yeah. There is. There I mean, is. he hasn't been great this year, but hey, we got some breaking news. The oh, Sacramento Kings have recalled Philip Petrusive from the Stockton Kings. It's happening. It's happening, Kyle. It's all happening tonight. So no Scoot Henderson, but maybe Philip Petrusive. Philip with an F. Of course. That's what they call Philippe. him. Philip with an F. Philip with an F. Got to be physical. There yeah. it is. All right. Um, Kings Blazers. We'll dive into that next. So the Kings, like James just said, a get right game. How do they get right? We'll dive into that on the other side of the break. He's James. I'm Kyle. We're the insider sponsored by, ES- uh, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to hour number two of the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Get ready for the most up-to-date sports news and talk with the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Second hour, leading you right into D'Lo and Casey. That starts up at noon, so make sure to keep it locked in to ESPN 1320, whether you're listening on the radio, maybe you're on the free Odyssey app, maybe you're watching on ESPN 1320 TV. Shout out to everybody who is watching, listening, Wherever you are in the state, in the world, we appreciate you greatly. That's James Ham of the Kings Beat. I'm Kyle Madsen of this show. We're sponsored by Jiffy Lou. We're the insiders. Um, why is Harrison Barnes getting dragged in the YouTube chat right now? I looked up and it's just people saying that Harrison Barnes has wasted money and that he stinks and they need a better small forward and this and that. It what could happened? Be, I, I think it's Kyle's fault for pointing out that Harrison Barnes averages two rebounds a game. Bro, that's not my fault. That's <laughs> it. I don't. I'm just saying a fact. Facts. Facts. My this is this is my whole thing, and I get. I don't look. <laughs> look, Harrison Barnes isn't the problem. Harrison Barnes is down the list of issues that Kings are having right now. Their defense isn't good. Their offense is slow and also bad. It. Could a better version of Harrison Barnes help? Like, absolutely. But a better version of every player they have would help. Okay. It's not a Harrison Barnes. But it stretches like these that make his 33-point night in Utah so damn frustrating for me. Where he goes for 33. Or he has that odd game where he goes and gets nine boards. And you're like, hey, there, there's that guy who's 6'8 and, and crazy athletic and strong and can defend four positions 
there he is. And then you have nights like his two in Houston where, okay, he had a couple of threes in the one, but what do you have, three boards in two games in Houston? I can't... <laughs> Help me, Harrison. Yeah, so I, I think I've never thought that Harrison Barnes was the problem, but at some point when things go wrong, Harrison Barnes is the senior guy on this roster. He is your one of your leaders. He needs to be part of the solution. Yeah. And so, like, look, it, it, you're right. He could say, well, it, like, I wasn't the only one, or, hey, I hit my shots in the first Houston game. I, I just didn't get enough of them. Um, but at some point, you have to take that next step where it's like, hey, game one, Harrison Barnes is here, and that changes the complexity of the game. Goes for 33. That's where you have to get with him. You mm-hmm. have to get to a point where, uh, and, and, you know, maybe it's, it's not his fault that he's not getting enough shots. Maybe, like, we keep hearing, like, it's the flow of the offense. Yeah, yeah. It's also possible that, the team has made a concerted effort to get Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter going. That makes sense. And like the focus is, Hey, we got to get these guys going in order for us to all start rolling. Mm -hmm. And in doing so they've taken the ball out of what, you know, coming into last game was a 50, like 6% shooter from three. He's, he's, he's shooting it very well. And I think the other issue, and this is something Mike Brown pointed to after the home opener Mm -hmm. was Harrison Barnes. I think in that game, what do you have? 10 points. He wasn't. He didn't have a super effective game. The first game, in Houston or second? No, I, I'm sorry. The home opener against Golden State. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't he just that didn't. Effective. Right. He just yeah. didn't play. And Mike Brown basically said, "Well, the offense bogged down, and he's a player who gets the ball when the when the ball starts hopping, and he gets an open look in the corner on the wing, and the ball just wasn't moving. And I think that's a little bit of the problem too when it comes to just shot attempts and scoring. Like their offense is slow, and to your point. He's, it's Domas, it's Kevin Herter, it's Keegan Murray. It, there's, it, when Malik Monk's on the floor, it's Malik Monk. It's all these players who are going to get shots before Harrison. But when the ball's moving around and they're trying to get it to the best shot, he is often the best shot when the ball is moving like it's supposed to, and it's just not right now. Well, yeah, and when we talk about things like pace, right? Yeah. We're talking about, like, possessions per 48 minutes. Possessions, mm-hmm. you know, equal you know, usually equal shot attempts, especially Typical. for a team who's who's only, you know, averaging 12.8 turnovers per game. They're number two in the league. a terrific number. Yeah, they're number two in the league mm-hmm. in turnovers per game, right? So, but when you start slowing the pace down, that means there's fewer and fewer possessions and fewer and fewer shot attempts. And so right now I could see like dropping down to five or six shot attempts per game mm-hmm. for a player but not for a Demonis Sabonis, and certainly even for a Harrison Barnes. Like mm-hmm. he still needs ten shots a game, and I know that's something that, like, maybe he doesn't average over the last couple of years. Like, but he needs ten shots per game, like at a minimum. Like this is <laughs> a very very good shoot. Last year nine point six. A year before ten point eight. Year before that eleven, eleven, eleven point one. Like that's where he's at. Right? right. He's he's that type of player, but you can't have him go into a game where you're missing a 23.5 shot attempt per game player and have Harrison Barnes take five. Right. You also... (laughs) Or six. You you also... You're also struggling to shoot threes and he is scorching hot right now. He's shooting 46% from three for the year. And I know he shot four. I think he went over four in, in Houston the other night. But that's a player that when your offense is bogged down, if he's hot, like get him, get him more looks. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, 
Harrison Barnes is not the problem. I just looked up into the chat and it was a Harrison Barnes stinks. Need a new small forward. I don't think he stinks and maybe you need to upgrade at that spot, but it's not super easy to just upgrade at small forward. Like guys who are upgrades over Harrison Barnes don't just become available. No, no. And that, the number just, I'm going to keep circling is just be better on the glass. Like the fact that hundred percent, like for his career, he's a one uh, offensive rebound per game. And right now he's a point three. Mm-hmm. Point three is like that means that you've had like two or three on the season, two, I, I would assume, <laughs> in six games, two <laughs> offensive rebounds in six games. So like he's averaging Dang. he for his career five rebounds a game. He's at two point three, mm-hmm. and he's at thirty one point two minutes per game. Like two point three is not going to cut it. This started in February of last year. Whatever mm-hmm. happened to him as a rebounder? Whatever adjustment you made on the like as a team schematically to make to take him out of rebounding position, or if it's just him not doing it, figure those two things out. That's it, and clean it up because that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm totally. He has to be. Kevin Herter should not be out rebounding Harrison Barnes, and that's not a shot at Kevin Herter. It's just Barnes is a little bigger, more athletic. Like get get plays him closer down. to the basket. Plays plays closer to the basket. It's a great point. Yeah, I, I just, that's that's just not a thing that should be. That should yeah, be it's just like how I keep saying that Malik Monk should not be leading the Sacramento Kings and and block shots. Oof. That Demonis Sabonis or Keegan Murray or Javale McGee should be leading the Kings in blocks, and there should not be a situation where uh, Malik Monk is averaging twice as many blocks as your front line. Great point. Just saying. That's wild. What a strange start to this year. The good news, I don't think yeah. this is something that's going to keep up. Like, I don't, I, I, the Harrison Barnes conversation for me is probably always going to be there because I think this is just kind of the lane he lives in where you're always going to want, like, a little bit more. But right now, it's like you want a little bit more to get him to wanting a little bit more. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? Uh-huh. Like he's kind of a couple levels down from where he normally is, but no, definitely not the problem. I think the number one thing is the thing we've hammered the last, the last, the last three days. You have to move on offense. The ball has to move. You have to get into your sets earlier. You have to get the ball across the town. Make or miss. Just run, dude. Like that's a big thing I want to see tonight is I, I don't care... I don't want to say I don't care about defense, but forget it for the moment. Show me that without De'Aaron Fox on the court, you can get into your offense and move and run and play at the pace required to help this offense be successful. Yeah. That's that's like all I want to see more than anything tonight because you should be able to beat Portland, whether you're playing top flight defense or not. No Scoot, no Anthony Simons. I, no Time Lord. No Time Lord. Do you know why he's called Time Lord, by the way? I don't. So Robert Williams, former Celtic center, was in the Drew Holiday deal, yep. uh, went to Portland. Okay. I was expecting Time Lord to have some awesome story for why he was called Time Lord. It turns out it stems from him just being late to things all the time. Oh, I've got, so my brother in high school. Uh-huh. So my brother's 15 months older than me, so we're close. Yeah. Um, His, his some of his best friends called him E is for excellent and he never understood why. And it would be because he would get mad at us, get in his Volkswagen bug and drive off and leave us places and then come back and get us like an hour later. Well, he was always out of, ga- out of gas 
always. <laughs> so E is for excellent. Meant E on the on the gas gauge. Meant empty. Meant empty. That's hilarious. So yeah, that's it's, it's such a good nickname. Very oh my God. very similar to Time Lord. Um, yeah, I could I could tell stories about running out of gas and pushing my brother's car all day long. Um, at least it was a bug and it was light. Yeah. But one time I said, hey man, if you run out of gas, I'm not pushing this time. I'm walking. Sputter, sputter. <laughs> we run out of gas. No, I just got my license. So I'm like, hey man, you're pushing this time. So we start pushing his car back towards town <laughs> and we start gaining speed. So he jumps on the back bumper and holds on to the rain rails. Oh my God. So we're driving, we're driving, we're driving. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, look, I got to get us over this little bump, this little hill, right? And then we can coast into town and I can get to the gas station. So I put it in gear. I I take my foot off the clutch, but I had forgotten to turn the key all the way on. Car lurches forward and I'm like, oh no. So I push my foot back on the clutch and we start rolling again. We, we keep rolling. I, I just knocked a little bit of speed. Yeah. Well, I look back and my brother's not in the little window gone. behind me. He's gone, but I don't see him anywhere. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I keep driving. And then finally I hear a thump, 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 and then roll, roll, roll down the street. About a couple of hundred yards later, there goes my brother rolling down the street. So I pull over to the side. I shook him off. He was trying to run before doing a face plant. Dove, oh my God. Caught the back bumper so he didn't fall on his face. And I was dragging him for a couple of hundred Oh yards. my God. <laughs> he was so angry Dying? with me. He was so angry with me. No, his knees were all skinned up. Yeah, I uh, bet. Yeah, he was He was a bit skinned up. He had a little road rash. On Dude, he should have <laughs> let go. Oh, my God. Uh, you never watched a cartoon? Let go. My brother Only is. Only bad things happen when you try and hang on. My brother is a cartoon character. Oh, boy. All there right. you go. The Kings have been one of the disappointments in, uh, to start this NBA season. But we're going to talk. Our good, bad, ugly thing, we're going to do that uh, for the entire NBA. Good surprises, bad surprises. We're going to get into all of it. On the other side of this break, he's James. I'm Kyle. We'll be back in a couple minutes here on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Good, bad, ugly. All the above. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good in the NBA right now, Kyle. Yeah, there is. We're, we're at the point... I mean, again, not making sweeping declarations, not changing playoff predictions or finals predictions or anything like that. Yeah. Not at that point, but at the point where we have enough games that we can kind of look and see, okay, hey, what's been good, what's been bad, and what's been ugly. We do this after every Kings game, but there was no basketball last night, so we're going to take just a look at the first uh, few weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. I think the first good thing, and you you have it at the top of the list, and to me, this is the winner of the NBA season so far, is Victor yes. Wembanyama. It's it's so big for the NBA, dude. Like, it look, is. we we talk about all the all the time. Like, there are eleven first ballot or future Hall of Famers in the in the Pacific Division, right? Mm-hmm. They're all 38, old. Like the NBA needs the new fresh blood coming in, and yeah. we have this other group that's like. The group that's behind them, that includes De'Aaron Fox, it includes Donovan Mitchell, who's been incredible this season. Donovan Mitchell, like over 31 points a game. Mm-hmm. Like what should have been John Morant, like this next group. But you need what the future is for the league. Even we, we can even look at that other group that's, you know, the Jokic and, and Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo group, right? Um, like 
that they needed the star, mm-hmm. the next LeBron. Mm-hmm. And man, I think they found him. I he think he, is, I think he's there. He is, and this is again with all due respect to a guy like Nikola Jokic. Jokic is amazing, and is a Hall of Famer if he stops playing today. Yep. But he was a second round. Is it talk about Applebee's commercial? Talk about commercial when he got drafted, and all that came up was just his name because the the league was oh, yeah, at Taco or, Bell. It was yeah, Taco, Taco Bell. Bell because the ESPN was a commercial when he got. Like that that was the fanfare for Nikola Jokic, right? I may have even said, Oh, Taco Bell and wandered off to go order Taco Bell. <laughs> like, right. Oh, Taco that, Bell. Definite oh, possibility that happened. Nikola Jokic got drafted. Advertising works. Visit Junior Restaurant today. Junior. No. <laughs> yes. Uh we had a great time there yesterday. Shout out to Ramsey for pulling up. Uh, we'll do Taco Tuesday again. Those tacos were incredible, Kyle. Really good tacos. Okay. Really. Advertising works. So yep. um that's the fanfare Nikola Jokic had. Even a player like Giannis. Giannis was a end of lottery pick. Was he even thirteen? Uh, he was, I believe, fifteen. Fifteen. So, like, back end of the lottery. The Sacramento Kings that year, they did select Ben McLemore instead. Oh, at number Kansas eight. legend at yeah. number eight. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the rumor is that Jeff Petrie had a dossier on Giannis Antetokounmpo and told them draft Giannis. But I'm sure he did. Those are you know those are stories. Yeah, stories for. An, at Tall Tales. Uh, well, it's like Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge has been in on every good player ever when they came into the draft. Ever. Yep. Yeah, he knows them all. Yep, he's been in on every single one. So, <laughs> it, so, so, but, but again, Giannis like took a few years to kind of get there and then it was like, oh, Giannis, wow, amazing. With Wemby, it was, we've heard about him since he was 15 years old. There was all the pre-draft hype coming in there were questions about like with with zion we like there was hype around zion but like you went to duke we saw him play college basketball there was an air of more mystery with victor Wembanyama, and then he comes in and it's not just good but it's just dominant right away i don't know if it's dominant it's so super fun and you can see the outline of like something we've never seen before okay yeah. So, okay. like the dominant, like yeah, he's had a dominant game or two, mm-hmm. but overall, you're looking, you're like, this is crazy. We'll we've never seen anything like this, and we may never see anything like this ever again. But if this is where basketball's heading, like I'm all here for it. Like we got like Stretch Armstrong out there. Like this it, dude is crazy good at everything. We and this is this is tough. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to because they're not the same player. The, these two players are different. Okay. But follow me. We we said, or at least I said, we'll probably never see another player like Kevin Durant, who's okay. seven foot at that size with handles, who can shoot. And again, different players, but seeing Victor Wembanyama dwarf Kevin Durant and shoot it like he does and be able to lead the break and then play defense like he does, it's it's genuinely like I don't know where you go from here. We might be just seeing maximum NBA talent. Yeah, so it's the one of one. That's what you're always looking for. Like yeah. we we call it the unicorn, right? But mm-hmm. the one of one, the the player that breaks every mold. And 
LeBron James was that guy, right? He was a guy who like shattered everything. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, look how good he is. Redefined like athleticism and size in the NBA. He also redefined expectations and living up to expectations. That's a great point. Because Michael Jordan never had these expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, and I and Kobe Bryant was like the thirteenth pick in the draft. Right. Like he didn't have these expectations. So what we're seeing with with Victor Wembanyama is a player who had all the expectations and is somehow in year in the first six games, seven games of the season, you're like, oh, right. <laughs> like you this, see it. this moment where you're like, oh, I get it. Like he is going to be a star. Now he's marking it because I said something funny. No, I'm not marking <laughs> anything. No, no, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm wholeheartedly agreeing with you. I, I was expect he's playing right now. And I think you're right. Dominant is probably, to, to he'll far. get there. If he'll he, get there. If, if he was dominant, they wouldn't have lost 152 to 111 to the to the Pacers. Yes, but the he is already at the point, like you said, two three weeks in, that I thought he was going to be maybe by midway through year two, year three. year three. Yeah, like hey, wow, he's really figured it out. Here, here, he and he's just there. He just stepped into the league as that good. And then there's just the physical size, like the 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 height. Is just you don't see. We've seen players that tall before, but not doing the things that he does and existing in the spaces that he exists on the court. It just does. It's recomputing how you view the sport. Okay, so stick with me here. Like, okay, NBA centers used to only they couldn't dribble the ball at all, right? That's it, was, it. right. Catch it in the post. Yeah, I remember one time asking Chris Gent. Chris Gent played on the Rockets with Hakeem Olajuwon and then was an assistant on Michael Malone's staff. I said. Okay. Uh, Hakeem and like DeMarcus Cousins compared those two. He goes, he started laughing. He's like, man, Hakeem couldn't dribble the ball twice. He's like, DeMarcus <laughs> Cousins is leading the break and going between his legs right. and doing a spin move around a guard. He's like, that guy couldn't do it. Like, so what we saw was like this weird decade where the only center in the league, there was only one total, and mm-hmm. it was Dwight Howard. Everyone's like, oh, okay, well, I guess Dwight's the best center in the game because there is literally no one else. Then we start seeing this influx of players that have somehow taken the guard skills and put them into a six foot eleven, seven foot body. It really does start with cousins, but it's cousins, mm-hmm. it's AD, it's it's cat, and it just keeps going, right? And mm-hmm. we can't even say Jokic is that guy. Jokic is more of a throwback, but he he's just way better. It's like an elevated throwback. Yeah, a very very elevated throwback, right? And then we get like. Giannis Antetokounmpo walks into the league and everyone's like, oh, there's nothing. We've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've seen Giannis, like Victor Wembanyama is the next version of Giannis, yeah. just like DeMarcus was the next version of all these these centers. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see this thing unfold where seven foot tall people are going to be doing even more. And, yeah. and again, but it's more like the Kevin Durant build or the Giannis Antetokounmpo build this like really long, lanky, not mm-hmm. like a hulking center, like a, a multi-positional, you know, three, four, five. Yeah. So. The fact that we spent most of the segment talking about Victor Wemanyama. One guy. Is a good indicator of kind of where he's at. So if you get a chance, I think January 25 is when the Spurs visit the Kings, I believe. Yeah, I would already book your tickets because this in there. is like... Go I'll see it. There. Go see it quick. Go see That's, it early. Like because of my schedule, I'm not doing a lot of midweek games. Yeah, um, that will be a midweek game that your boy is at. Yeah, I think it's a Wednesday. Okay, but I'm I'm in there. Um, another good surprise. I mean, good relative. 
the Mavs are way better than I thought they were going to be. Way better. They, and uh, Luca, like, I think Luca wants to win the MVP. I think Luca decided to actually work out during the offseason. Yeah, FIBA probably helped. Um, yeah, but he looked great coming into FIBA. Like he's <laughs> lost, he's lost twenty pounds. Like they're not talking about it, but at least twenty pounds. Like there is no double chin. Yeah. Like that was a guy who did nothing but party and have a good time, and just happens to be great at the game of basketball. He's a mm-hmm. hooper. He's not a workout warrior. But my goodness, uh, like he looks great. He's been incredible. Finding a way to work with Kyrie Irving has been really good. Uh, the other pieces around him, you know, the Grant Williams signing has turned out to be way better than I thought it would be. Me too. Like all of a sudden he's a third scorer. You're like, uh, or uh, Tim Hardaway uh, Jr. Like stepping it the up player. and becoming a player again. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this is interesting. Yeah. And again, seven games in. Yeah, that's right. They're six and one. Yeah. Yeah. Six and one. So seven games in, not crowning the Mavs or anything crazy like that, but a much better start than than I thought they'd get off to. Uh, the Warriors being six and two, little bit, a little bit of a surprise for me. Did not think they would come out the gates like this. They're way better than I thought they would be. Their defense stinks. They can't get a stop to save their lives, but that's a whole other thing. Um, Kristaps Porzingis working out very nicely for the Celtics. Isn't that weird? He can play, dude. The original unicorn, the OG unicorn. I, I guess, but like, I, I don't know that it will hold up because he can't stay healthy. But still, mm-hmm. like an interesting piece there. Yeah. Um. Philly's been really good. Tyrese yeah, Maxey has Philly's been a baller. Excellent. It turns out getting rid of James Harden is maybe addition by subtraction. Uh, it was always addition by subtraction, but I love Tyrese Maxey. I uh, drafted him on my fantasy team, and he's killing it. He's crushing it for you. Yep. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, speaking of crushing it, again, just more signs that this trade was is great one of the rare teams. ones that's just great for both sides. Yeah, his team is leading the league in points per game at like 124.7. Yeah. They just and, score at will. And he's 24 points, 12 assists a game. Holy cow, he's good. He's really, really good player. We got to take a break. There's a couple more good things. And let's get to some of the bad and ugly from, from the start of the NBA season before we dive uh, headfirst into Kings Blazers, which is uh, tonight as the Kings get back in action at Golden One Center. That's what we'll do coming up in four minutes. We got to step aside. We're the Insider sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Loop on ESPN 1320. Yeah, Mean Girls remake, dude. You're here for it or no? No, I'm not. I'm out. I, You know, I, I, like- I saw this article yesterday. So um, it's the 20th anniversary of Elf, right? Yes. The 20th anniversary terrific, was yesterday. Terrific Christmas film for me. And they were able to reach out to Bob Newhart, who is like 94 years old. Yeah. And Bob Newhart, who was incredible throughout his career. Like he had the Bob Newhart show. He had Newhart. Like he's, <laughs> he's, well, no, but both of those are separate shows and they last. Bob for, Newhart show of Newhart and the Bob Newhart show. Well, they had, Bob Newhart had the Bob Newhart show and then he had, I think it was called Newhart, which was a totally different yeah, show. Yeah. And he said that, that Elf is the greatest thing he ever did. That by far, he said that uh, he, when he read the script, he told his wife then this is going to be the next miracle on 34th street. He said, everyone will watch this movie forever. And so I think it's great to have those movies where, man, you don't need to go back and make another, don't make another, 
Okay. Like, don't ruin it. Okay. So thank you to George Muller. Mueller? Muller? I'm going to go with Muller. If I mispronounce that, I apologize. Says in our YouTube chat, the remake is the Broadway musical. Okay. That makes way more sense. Okay. That tracks. It makes sense. I get why they would do that. The musical is is largely the movie, but it's it's the plot's a, a tiny bit different. Okay. And it's fun. It's a it's a really, really fun time. Me and my wife went and saw it out in, in San Francisco. So if they are remaking just they're doing the musical in movie form, fine. Okay. That's that makes way more sense than just remaking a movie that came out less than twenty years ago. Okay. <sighs> I just I, I some movies don't need to be made again. I don't know if Mean Girls reaches any sort of like standard that oh that should never be made again. Well, but but well no it just I'm with it you. it it did what it needed to do. It, yeah. It it exists in the space. It's not. I I I think and I don't want to. We have Kings and Blazers and NBA stuff to talk about, but now I'm passionate. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like it's not like Godzilla, right? That came out in 1934, and they're like, hey, you know what would be cool if we redid that, but with like today's effects. It's not, this isn't, it's not that. The movie came out in 2004 and it isn't like crazy special effects. So it wouldn't, you don't need to remake a movie like that. It did its thing. It still exists in popular culture for the most part for the people that it needs to exist for. Yep. And that's it. So I'm really glad they're not remaking it and they are re- doing the Broadway musical because it is a really fun time at the theater. If you're in a musical theater, if you're not, then you probably won't like it. Okay. Anyways. I like going to the theater. I'm a musical theater guy. Yeah. Anyways. I wouldn't call myself. No, nah, doesn't matter. I'll just say that, and I'm going to live with it. Uh, good, couple more good <laughs> surprises from the NBA, NBA season. Then we'll get to bad and ugly, and then we'll talk Kings Blazers. Whew. You have Cam Thomas in here. <laughs> I love it. Averaging 28.7 per game. I don't were, know how I feel. Were you like, who is Cam Thomas? No, he's LSU legend Cam Thomas. Yeah, yeah. But and he had that he had that run of games last year where he scored he scored 40 plus in like three straight games. Yeah, but, that dude can flat out. Put the I ball think, in the hoop. Right. <laughs> His shot attempts by game in their last five, 17, 19, 18, 24, 33. He shot it 33 times in a 129-125 loss to Milwaukee. A, Milwaukee's defense stinks. More on that later. Yep. But I just don't, I, I don't, I think Cam Thomas has a long career ahead of him as a Jamal Crawford type of scorer where give him a jersey it doesn't matter the team and he's going to go put the ball in the basket of course but i think if he is going to succeed i don't think he can be a 33 shots a night guy no he's averaging 21.6 field goals attempts That's per game bananas he's shooting 48.3 percent from the field 33.3 percent from three uh he is averaging twice as many rebounds as harrison barnes good for him four four per game hell yeah yeah i mean i, I bring that up because he's doing more than just scoring and uh, the other crazy thing about cam thomas 1.1 turnover per game in 34 minutes for like an elite scorer but just volume score just like Mm -hmm. just give him the ball and stand back i don't know that i want to watch him play basketball but (laughs) and then we got like ant-man who has taken the leap and who's averaging right around ant yo he's gonna win an mvp in his career you think so I think Anthony Edwards is that dude. Did you see that defensive possession on Tatum at the end of the game the other night? Um, I and then did I think not. he hit the triple on the next possession, next offensive. Just clamps on Jason Tatum. And when you're a player who can go get 38 in an overtime win and also 
clamp a player like Jason Tatum, another guy who's going to just perennially be in the MVP conversation. That's that's special stuff to me. Yeah, I think he's built and wired just a little bit different. He's he's incredible. He's averaging twenty eight point two points per game, six point seven rebounds, three times the amount of Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. four point eight assists. Man, uh, he's shooting forty seven point two percent from three, fifty two percent from the field. And, and I'm going to point this out. He's averaging on a team that starts Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. He is averaging 6.7 rebounds per game. Kudos. Man. They've got to be the number one rebounding team in the NBA. They're right the now. number one defense in the NBA. That's wild. Shout out to Jaden McDaniels. Uh, yeah, Jaden McDaniels. I pay him his monies. Cam Thomas averaging more than a field goal, more than Anthony Edwards per game in two fewer minutes. Mm. <laughs> Little did we know that Cam, Cam Thomas... Thomas- Cam Thomas averaging more field goal attempts than everybody in the NBA except Donovan Mitchell. Oof. <laughs> That's bananas. It's so weird, isn't it? You're oh like, my God. what is happening? Right, is, shout out to the Nets. Happening? Hey, good for him. The Nets aren't that good. He's going to get in his buckets and he's going to get paid someday. And you love that for him. Yeah, Anthony Edwards is a player that uh, I've been just kind of in on. And it, not, mm-hmm. that's not special to me. A lot of people are in on Anthony Edwards. Duh. But... I've been waiting for a leap from him, and this is like two for me, what he's doing so far this year. Like, look, going through the draft process, um, like I heard a lot of murmurs around NBA teams that were like, we don't believe he's a legit number one overall pick. Right, right. Um, But also, like, we don't know that he can take it serious, like that you can rely on him. Mm -hmm. And I think that those people in the room, they misjudged what his personality is. Yeah. Like on occasion you 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 know, you walk into a room if you're someone who like evaluates talent or who hires people, you should be able to get a feel for someone within like a minute or two. Yeah. And I think that there was just a bad read that people got on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cuz like we hear weird stuff all the time. Like there's a player I heard in a draft uh not this year's draft but the year before that uh like people came away thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's a racist." And a bunch of teams said, we're not going anywhere near that guy. And I'm not going to say his name, but like that was, and that wasn't one person. I heard from like three different sources that were like, oh my goodness. And they wouldn't touch a guy. I have a player in mind and I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, yeah, no, with Anthony Davis, uh, not Anthony, definitely not Anthony Davis. With Anthony Edwards, it's this energy. I'm a winner. Like that's, he's a the winner. Fact that, the fact that he came out, and this was a misread by me when he came out before the draft and was like, I want to play football, but I'm really good at basketball, so I'm just going to do that. They just That that to me is, is not him casting basketball aside. It's him being so confident that he's going to win at this. It's not, I want to be good at this. It's, I want to do the thing that I'm going to win at. And so he's doing that. And so he's playing basketball, not because he can be good at it, but because he can go win at it. Yeah. And that was the mystery I made on that. Even, but I'm all in now. Like it's something Big LeBron Anthony. said, like early in his career, that yeah. oh, I could, I wish I, you know, could go play in the NFL. Yeah. But I, there was just a little bit of like not taking it serious that people misconstrued as something different with Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards, and so like the the word coming out of the draft was uh, uh, like a lot of people were way way off of him. Yeah, that's crazy. 
Bet they regret it now. All right, let's get to some of the bad and ugly before we get into uh, the Kings-Blazers matchup tonight at Golden 1 Center. I expect we see a beam in the air tonight. However, the Kings in their 2-4 and four start have to be one of the, the disappointments of the year to start to start the NBA season. No, it, it fully makes my list. It being 2-4 and four to start the season, this, this is not what anyone expected in Sacramento or outside mm-hmm. of Sacramento. Like there are people who don't think that the the Kings were going to be as good, mm-hmm. but two and four is not what you expected because the schedule didn't dictate a two and four start. Yeah, and that's why. And if it and if if it did, if I just came to you before the season and I said, "Hey, they're going to start two and four, you'd probably look at the schedule and go, "Oh, they lost their first four, and then beat Houston twice and got back on track, and they're just following the path they did last year." It's suboptimal, but, you know, two and four after six, so be it. Yeah, and I would say, like, look, if you were to throw in, let's say that you had a game against Denver and a game against Milwaukee, and that was your your first four games of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, two and four is a good start for you. Yeah. But that's not the schedule you had. Yeah, no so. doubt, no doubt. It, it definitely, <laughs> this year's two and four feels way worse than last year's. Oh, totally. It is not, <laughs> not even close. Well, because at two and four last year, you had just won two. Correct. This year, it feels like, it, well, you've lost three in a row. And mm-hmm. this team only lost three in a row a couple of times all last season. They only lost four in a row once. They lost four in a row the first four games of the season, mm-hmm. and then that was really it. Like, the, the resiliency of this team was what we talked about all year. Resiliency, mm-hmm. resiliency. Where's the resiliency? We're going to see. see. We're going to see tonight. Yep. Scoot Henderson, speaking of, of tonight, he won't be playing. He has been ruled out for the Blazers along with Anthony Simons and Robert Williams. No Trey Lyles, no De'Aaron Fox for the Kings, but Scoot Henderson, even before he got hurt, he was he was really having a hard time. And the surprising thing to me is I expected he would be able to come in and just score. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think putting the ball in the basket was going to be a problem, but he, can, he can't shoot it. He's struggling to score at, at every level, and that was a that was a pretty significant surprise for me. Um, I am like, I predicted him to be my yeah. rookie of the year. Uh, I was wrong. He's averaging 8.8 points. He's averaging four turnovers and four personal fouls, just 4.6 assists. So he's a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio guy, which is not good. He's shooting 34.6% from the field and 9.5% from three on 22 attempts. 21, 22. <laughs> Yikes. Two of 21 from three on the season. Like, uh, I think Shaden Sharp talked about it. He said, like, look, he's he's kind of playing, uh, he's playing basketball like uh, like he's a linebacker right now. And we've all played basketball against that guy who, like, out. Yeah, it was, out usually, it was usually the everyone. guy on the football team who played yeah. linebacker. <laughs> yeah, the football team. You go out and you play against a football player. You're like, oh, that didn't feel good. Like, I yeah, just yeah. got beat up. And I, I want to call a foul every time because he fouled me every time, but then I don't want to be that guy. Correct. That's kind of where he's at right now. He just needs to calm down. He'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, not yeah. punting on Scoot Henderson. He should have been in start. the ugly. He should have been in the ugly. That's my bad. No, 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 no. It's fine. He's a rookie. He gets he gets a pass for now. Uh, he, a bad thing for me is not so much the Suns are three and four. It's not so much that they're three and four. It's that Devin Booker can't get on the court consistently, and Bradley Beal can't get on the court at all. They are who we thought they are. They are already dealing with injury problems. They are a team that has injury-prone players that are dealing with injury. They like look, and, look at what they've had to do to Kevin Durant already. There will come a point where Kevin Durant has to take two weeks off. So, at first, I went, "Hey, this is smart. This is just good injury management, right? Got a guy with a bad back. 
You got a guy with a mess that was in a toe for Devin Booker. You got a guy with a with an injury. Uh, with with Devin Booker, he's he's going to be your your star. So you need to keep him healthy. So for the first couple of games, you're sitting him out. But now they're reaching that point where they're going to like miss out on all NBA mm. because you have to play a minimum sixty five games. Yeah, and like they're up against it now. Where okay, even if you come back, you can only miss so many games the rest of the the rest of the year. Yeah, like seven or eight games. That's what they're both going to come back to. Right, yeah, and. You- and so it, it it's at a point where I'm past the oh they're doing just kind of good injury man it, it this could screw up their money down the road if they could play they would be playing by now so I don't think this is just injury management I think they're actually hurt yeah and when you're dealing with that already to two of your big three and the only one of your big three who is healthy is a guy who has had a torn Achilles and is 34 years old that's a problem it's not great Bob. So the Suns fall into the bad again. Not that they're a disaster. They're three and four, and maybe they get healthy and they turn it around and they go win a championship. But I'm not. I'm not on that boat yet. And then the Jazz. The Jazz are two and six, and we had Sarah Todd of the uh, of the Desert News on our show before that that season opener for the Kings in Utah, and she said the goal here is to make the playoffs. They could have made the playoffs last year, but the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes made them sit out Jordan Clarkson and a bunch of other guys. They weren't really trying down the stretch, but they should have been a playoff team. They could have been a playoff team. They're expecting that this year. They are not. They are two and six, and they do not look good. No, they don't look Those good. Those pieces they've, don't look like they fit. They've lost three in a row, and the three losses are to the Magic, the Bulls, and the T-Wolves, um, and they're not good losses. The Magic was two points, but the other, not great. Yeah, yeah a little rough. A little rough to start. All right, let's talk ugly. Talk about the ugly. Speaking of which, Kenny Caraway in the house. Oh, that's not nice. Oh, he can't hear that. Oh, oh man, that was a funny joke. Oh, he, t- he's gone full Mets on us. I don't know if no, I can I, deal with this. I can dig that. No, that's very dope. The Mets have a very clean fitted uh, Kenny's outfit on point today. Uh, I, I Now I need to tell him the joke I made. Oh, man, uh, mm. it's fine. I, I, okay. Dang, I hate mm. It happened. It happened. We got to move forward, Kyle. It's fine. All right. Speaking of, speaking of ugly... The Memphis Grizzlies stink. They are and bad. I don't think John ja Morant fixes it. Like John ja Morant coming back helps. You would rather have John ja Morant than not have John ja Morant. But it's not like he comes in and it's like, okay, they're fine in the West. And nah, man, they're, they're a fringe play-in team when Ja comes back instead of a possible number one pick team. If they can get to fringe playoff team, uh, I'm I not sure. I said play-in. Uh, play-in, play-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a mess, man. Like, I, I knew that this was going to be a problem. I didn't know that it would be this bad of a problem. And, and you know, Desmond Bain's playing really well. He He's is. averaging 26-6 a game. Um, they're just not good enough. So so here's the here's the the question I have. And this is this is honestly the Grizzlies struggles great news for the Kings. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies were the number 2 seed in the West last year. Yeah. And they were a team that was supposed to be jockeying for position with Sacramento down the stretch. I don't think they're going to really be a factor. For anybody who is in the in the playoff race in in the West, what's the what's the record they would have to be at after twenty five games? So when they get John Morant back, where you would say, okay, they can still make the playoffs. They'll have fifty seven games once Jock comes back. Oh, I, like I was going to say, they can't be like ten and fifteen. They, I don't think that they can get to ten and fifteen. I think they're going to be like eight and seventeen. But ten and fifteen, you would feel good if you were the if you were the Grizzlies. Well, you're five games under five hundred. I mean, I think you can climb back out a little mm-hmm. bit. But but the problem is like, he's not the only problem. 
Exactly. You, you know, you don't have Stephen Adams, you don't have Brandon Clark, you don't have Dylan Brooks, you don't have Trey Jones. Uh, you you do uh, or Tyus, Tyus Jones. Jones. Tyus Jones. You do have Marcus Smart, which is different. But again, like Luke Kennard is has not played well at all for and them. Way too many Luke Kennard minutes. Yeah. God bless he, Luke Kennard, but come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can say way too many, many David Roddy minutes, way too many Xavier Tillman minutes. Like <laughs> you can keep going down the list. Xavier Tillman shooting 36.8% from the field. And like that he's your center or I don't even know what that, you know, if you think Bismack Biombo is going to solve your problems, uh, good luck with that. A person who is not you in our YouTube chat uh, says Memphis should tear it down and trade Marcus Smart to the Kings. Oh, well, that almost happened a couple of times. Marcus Smart, actually. I, think I signed, love the idea of Marcus Smart on the Kings. I think Marcus Smart signed a offer sheet with the Kings that was matched. Um, like they, the Kings were in on Marcus Smart, uh, just like they were in on Zach Levine at one point. A different, different version of the Kings, different uh, front office, but... Yeah, Marcus Smart is a guy that like could make a huge difference on a team like the Kings. I do, I'm I'm totally I'm very much with you. Yeah, I mean he's kind of like what we talk about with OG and Anobi, but um, he even brings more personality to mm-hmm. the 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 game plan, a little like, more size. Yeah, and, and so you well, not than OG, but you understand the what their backcourt. idea was there. But the fact is that they got hurt on the front line, mm-hmm. and they already had injuries on the front line, and mm-hmm. then in addition to that they decided not to bring back Dylan Brooks. And, and in order to get Marcus Smart, they had to give up Tyus Jones. And I know people think, why do you keep mentioning Tyus Jones? Because he's Tyus a, Jones best, a gangster, dude. He was a best backup point guard in the NBA the last like three years. There, like, he could have started for half the teams in the league. Well, I mean, he's a guy who doesn't turn the ball over, who hits his shots and who plays spectacular defense. Like he's a very good yep. NBA player. Really, really, really solid. Under the NBA radar. Player. Yeah. One of those guys not going to be an all-star, but you're going to be happy he's on your team. Yeah. Uh, the Wizards are under the ugly category. They might be worse than I thought they would be. It's just just not good. And it we turns talk out about Jordan it. Poole, not a franchise savior. Yeah, and Tyus Jones hmm. is there. So, I, I mean, I guess we should also add that in. But, um, yeah, that, that team is a mess. And what that is, it's a bunch of dudes who just want to get theirs. And the funny thing is they already got paid. So now they're just getting theirs while getting paid. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're trying to show up for one season and put up a big bunch of flashy numbers. No, they already got paid. Now this is just who they are. They're just a team that like does silly things. And I, I will say they, they, uh, they're doing well. Like they, they move the ball, they share the ball. They just don't play any defense. So we always talk about offensive rating, defensive rating, and net rating. Estimation of points scored per 100 possessions. Yep. Estimation of points allowed per 100 possessions. That's defensive rating. And then net rating is offensive rating minus defensive rating. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the Wizards are 18th in offensive rating. They are dead last in defensive rating at 121.0. Uh, the Kings, by comparison, are 22nd at 115. Okay. So the Wizards are six, six points worse. Yep. And they are a net rating of minus 10.8, also the worst in the league. The crazy stat that I, I, I'm looking at, they're they're giving up 128.7 points per game. And this isn't and this isn't like, oh, it's a bunch of rookies and they're figuring it out. Like, no, Kyle Kuzma's been around. Jordan Poole's been around. Oh, they yeah. They paid them to be there. And they are just terrible. Terrible. Yikes. Uh two two other quick things before we get to Kings Blazers. The Lakers three point shooting. All I heard from Laker fan all offseason 
was how they finally surrounded LeBron with shooters, and this is the exact type of roster they need. I bought into it. I was like, wow, if they miss LeBron or AD for a couple of games, you like these pieces to to fit and figure it out. Uh, they are not. They are shooting 29.8% from three as a team. Oof. And, and they hey, supposedly surrounded LeBron with shooters. Kyle, that's with uh, Torian Prince shooting 38.5. Oof. And that's with Christian Wood shooting 41.7. Oh, my God. So you're and, and Anthony Davis, 42.9. So if you're shooting that bad, uh, D'Angelo Russell, 27.9%. Gabe Vincent. Who was brought in specifically oh. to hit threes. 7.1% from three. Oh. 7%, man. Oh, that's worse than Scoot. Cam Reddish, 15.4. Max Christie, 12.5. Rui Hachimura, 33.3. And where is uh, the savior of the universe? Uh, Flash Gordon, uh, Austin Reeves, is <laughs> shooting 31.3% from three. Uh, oh, shoot. We got to go in 30 seconds. What? Uh, biggest key to victory tonight for the Kings. Pace, 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 pace. That's it. Run, 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 run. That's it. Don't turn it over. Hit your threes. <laughs> Just very generic. Play defense. Stuff. No, I think, I no, that's it. I, pace is number one for me. Like I said, I don't even care about defense tonight. If you give up 130, I don't care. Go score 150. That's right. Like, go go do that tonight. Show that it's there. Get De'Aaron Fox back and, and get this thing rolling. I think it can start tonight against Portland. To talk about that more with you, D'Lo and Casey are next. He's been James Ham. I've been Kyle Madsen. We're the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Play. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 